Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Ve sallallahu ve barakal al-ashrafil anbiya wal mursalin. Nabiyyina Muhammed. Ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem ve teslimi kathira. Amma ba'd. Alhamdulillah we reached uh, the next part of our discussion from the Shahr Sunnah of Abba Bahari. Rahimahullah. And we have the, the text, the Arabic and the English, of course. If anyone has the Arabic, has the English. Is it of the Arabic we've done today? No Arabic today. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> and the English, alhamdulillah. I can see something to English, inshallah. So, Qarab Alif, Rahimahullah. Wa'alam. رحمك الله أن الدين إنما جاء من قبل الله تبارك وتعالى لم يودع على أقول الرجال وآرائهم وعلمه عند الله وعند رسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم فلا تتبع شيئا من هواك فتمرق من الدين فتخرج من الإسلام فإنه لا هج لك فقد بين رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لأمته السنة وأوضحها لأصحابه وهم الجماعة وهم السواد الأعظم والسواد الأعظم الحق وأهله نعم وأهله فمن خالف أصحاب الرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في شيء من عمل الدين فقد خفر وهذا هو كلام كلام الباب هذا رحمه الله إنجليش شيء بس أخ فضل إنجليش إن شاء الله فضل. The author رحمه الله said no may Allah have mercy upon you that the religion came from Allah the blessed and exalted it was not founded upon the intellect or views of men rather its knowledge is with Allah and His Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم so do not follow anything with your desires, lest you deviate from the religion and thus go out of the fold of Islam. For indeed there is no proof for you. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, has certainly explained the Sunnah to his Ummah and clarified it to his companions. And they are the Jama'ah and the Sawadul A'zam. And the Sawadul A'zam is the truth and its followers. Therefore, Whoever opposes the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in any of the matters of the religion has certainly disbelieved. Naam. Barakallahu feek. So, the author, rahimahullah, begins to mention the deen, inna ma ja'a min indi Allah. Fuwa alladhi sha'ra al-deen, subhanahu. Laysa li ahadin an yashra' deenan lam ya'adhan allahu bihi. So, we understand this first and foremost, the first point mentioned here by Shaykh Khuzal Hafizahullah is that this deed, no doubt, is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we find within deen, within the Masoos, is established from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's He, subhanahu, who has legislated everything we find within our deen. And it's not for anyone, any one individual, to legislate anything as a matter of religion 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not permitted. And so, as we understand from this, is that anything that a person, and any action that a person does, that he refers to as being deen and religion, and being upright in that regard, then it has to be authorized by Allah. No doubt, Allah Ta'ala authorizing the affair occurs first and foremost when it comes to the affair of his ayat. Either the speech of Allah in the Quran. As when we affirm these ayat, then no doubt with that we understand this is from Allah Ta'ala, no doubt it's permitted by Allah. And that which is found within the book is from Deen. Likewise, that which he has revealed by way of his Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, by way of his Sunnah, by way of the Hadith, that a person understands that this has not been permitted except by Allah It's from his Wahid. And the Allah, the Message of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam does not speak from his own desires, as we understand. In who wahyun, you have. I don't write relates to the the Nabi alayhi salatu salam. Is that he received the wahy? He's received revelation, and he has received, or Allah Taala has revealed to him. And so thus Allah Taala states, "Am lahum shuraka, am lahum shuraka, or shara'u lahum bidin, ma lam yadam bihi Allah." I said, do they have partners? Are these individuals that have legislated for them the affair of deen? That which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not authorized and given them permission for. Because that's just what we are saying. If a person is taken on a, upon an affair where he said muhuddin and he regards it as being deen, then no doubt this can only occur by way of the permission of Allah. By way of that which Allah Ta'ala has permitted. And Shaykh Allah Shaykh Rabir, he mentions as well in relation to this particular statement. So, first and foremost, the author warns against an individual following their desires. And he encourages her to and so that which a person is encouraged to follow and be upon is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that the person must, the person, the individual, must have this degree of submission to what has been revealed to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. For this in reality is the Deen al-Haq. This that's the true religion. Which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reality does not accept any religion other than that. So in reality now when it comes to this affair of deen 
I'm going to accept it that fair deen. Of course, it has to be in accordance with the Sunnah of the Nabi Sallallahu and the warning comes against an individual following their desires. Now, and so, Allah Ta'ala intends for us by way of this wahi to follow this, this particular path. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <laughs> And Allah Ta'ala states that Allah Ta'ala wishes for you, the ibad, that you be guided by way of those and the ways of those that came from her preceded you. And that you return to him in sincere repentance. And Allah Ta'ala is the all-knowing and the most wise. And Allah Ta'ala wishes that you make sincere repentance and turn to sincere repentance towards him. And he wishes for those that follow their desires that they turn away, they continue to turn away based upon that affair. And they're following their desires, following a way other than the wahi. So we understand from this barakallahu fikum is that this chapter, or this speech here, follows on from the other. So, Baba Hadi, when he's mentioning his speech, it's not inconsequential. It's one thing following on from the other. So, what's the first thing that was mentioned, for those that remember? Something before that, I mean, right at the beginning. What's the first thing Baba Hadi mentions after the Bessel Ascension? Oh, about Islam. The Sunnah and the Sunnah is Islam. Now, and what we mean by the Sunnah is what? The way of the Prophet. The way of the Prophet. That's one thing. Now, and thereafter, what does he mention? Thereafter, what does he mention? After the mentioning of the Sunnah and the Tariq of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What not established out of the other Naam? But what else was mentioned after that? After that? After that? That Islam and the Sunnah and the Sunnah of Islam. What was mentioned after that? Cling to the Jama'ah. Cling And this is from the Sunnah. That... The one that truly wants to be upon the sunnah, upon him is to be with the jama'ah. So one follows the other. After that, so the one that he divides the sides, and then he mentions I the opposite of that. So from the sunnah is adhere to the jama'ah. Thereafter, he mentions the opposite of the one that is with the jama'ah. Now, 
thereafter, after that, that the person, like, this is the rise of the individual. The strain, he's up as a strain. After that, Now, that from amongst that Jama'ah, at the head of that Jama'ah are who? The companions. So once we've established that from your Islam, they have to follow the Sunnah. From this affair of the Sunnah, they have to cling to the Jama'ah. From that Jama'ah, the first of them are the companions. The first of the generation amongst, amongst them are the companions. What do we stand from after that? What do we understand about the companions? What do we say? That the one that speaks of the companions, what are they truly intending to do? The one that's seeking to speak ill of the companions. Speak ill of the Prophet wasallam, and by way of that, seeking to destroy Islam and destroy the Haqq. Because if an individual now seeks now by way of their tohmah, or accusations, or by way of their sub, their, their ill speech, to throw doubt upon the companions, then they're going to throw doubt upon the speech that they transmit and the sunnah that they transmit from the Nabi So what they seek by way of that is yeah, to cut the people off from the means of the people reaching the Prophet right, These individuals, these individuals were individuals that were the, the, the transmitters of the if you cut the people off from them, you cut the people off from the Sunnah. Now, what was mentioned after that? So you mentioned the companions, and after that, and the call of Umar. Person does not have an excuse. So you have this, this has all been laid out. Islam has been made, been made clear, the Sunnah has been made clear. The individual does not have an excuse when it comes to. Following other than the Sunnah of the Nabi Sallallahu Why? Because we have the companions that transmitted that Sunnah. And then those that came after them and those that came after them. So here, the Baba Hali lays out clear and, and, in, and, in, and consequentially, and in a sequence, this affair of Sunnah. Lays out the affair of the Sunnah. Lays out the affair of following the Haqq. Thereafter, now, he mentions this affair of. The opposite of that. Naam, he's mentioned the opposite of that. To beware of following one's desires. Or beware of following opinion. Or mere intellect. That the person gives the person should not give taqdeem, give precedence to the intellect. So no doubt, this is the speech here. When you lay the foundation and you understand that this is the Sunnah of the Nabi salatu These are the companions that, that, that established that Sunnah. These are the companions that trans, then transmitted those, those, the, the rewire, the narration. Then thereafter, what is understood is that these individuals, individuals cannot follow other than that and follow their desires. Now, what did قال الشيخ ربيع والدين فيه أمور غيبية لا تدركها العقول فيجب الإيمان بها وتسليم بها وإن لم تدركها العقول and so in deen there are affairs 
which are from the ghayb, the affairs which are from the unseen, which the intellect cannot fathom, or the intellect is not going to be able to bring, bring up some form of imagery of it, for example. The, the intellect hasn't reached that extent where we are able, to, a person is able to fully imagine what it will be. And this is, the, this is from the, the affair of the unseen. However, just because you cannot think of it directly does not now mean that you cannot believe in it. Rather, it's a must that the person has iman in that affair. For example, the person no, that has to have iman in the affairs of the ghayb, the unseen, the things that we've been informed of. The things that we've been informed of by way of the kitab and the sunnah, the person has to have iman in that. And so it's not befitting that the person says he rejects it based upon the fact that his intellect cannot accept it. His intellect cannot accept it. We understand first and foremost that when it comes to the intellect, no doubt a person with intellect or the intellect can aid an individual in understanding the haq. Can aid an individual in understanding particular affairs. For example, what? How can we say, for example, our intellect can aid us when it comes to understanding? If a person has some intellect. So it's something mentioned previously. I don't know if it was in this lesson. How can it aid us in understanding? No doubt we've been given an akal, we've been given uh, intellect for a reason. <coughs> now we've been given intellect for a reason. Now, in order to aid us with, with our understanding of the truth. And so when a person, for example, ponders upon the creation of Allah and the intricacies of the creation of Allah, for example, the intellect has to accept, the sound intellect accepts that the, this creation with all of its intricacies has a creator. So the intellect accepts that. And it aids us in that regard. However, we cannot now say that every single affair, every single matter, we give taqdeen to our intellectual Because there's things that the, the aql is going to, be, going to be deficient in understanding. And so that which takes precedence is a naql ala al yani. The naql meaning the text. That which is mentioned in the text takes precedence. That which is mentioned in the kitab or the sunnah takes precedence. Anything outside of that, then we may accept it, we may reject it. We may be accepted, we may be rejected. But when the text when the text lays out something, we must accept it. We accept it. And we don't seek to, as we find from these other groups, especially when it comes to Aswawa Sifat, where they seek to distort that which is found within the text or explain it away. To try and make it in line with what the akal accepts, what the intellect accepts. Whilst the intellect may be deficient in the first place. And so this mentions that, and I just mentioned, there are things that require to sleep. There are things that require the individual to submit to. And not, not that they're relying upon the akal accepting it first. Now, Likewise, the Shafi goes to mention, Wamina, 
تشريعات يدرك العلماء على لها نعم حكمها التي اشتملت عليها ومنها ما لا يدرك العلل نعم ما لا يدرك عللها وحكمه وحكمها فيجب الايمان بها وتسليم لها وهذا هو منهج السلف الصالح نعم اتجاه النصوص شريعه شريعه الله And so, when it comes to ahkam, rulings in deen, the rulings are going to be of two types. There are going to be some rulings where Ahlul Ilm have explained why the ruling is such. And what is the, what is the hikmah behind a particular ruling in deen? So a person understands, I was the hikmah in this particular ruling. I was the illah, what's the, illa, what's the, what's the reason why this ruling is as, is as such? This is possible. But also the other the opposite is true as well. That you may find ahkam where the ill is not mentioned. For example, the one which is mentioned, is mentioned in narrations as well. The wiping over the socks. The wiping over the socks, the hukum, the ruling when the person wipes over the socks, whether it be the khufain or the jawrabain, when the person wipes over the socks, where do they wipe? Which part of the sock? The top. And so, if the person was to be relying upon the aql, he would say, that which is that which is mawafiq with aql, that which the, the intellect would accept, is that you wipe upon the bottom. But the ruling, the hukum, is to wipe upon the top. As for the illa, it's not mentioned. However, I, the reason for it is not mentioned. However, the fact that the Prophet said it, we understand that this is for our maslaha. It's for our benefit. And so we do so. We follow the Prophet ﷺ in whatever he's commanded us with. And so what we understand from this as well, Barakallahu Fikum, is that this affair of leaving aside this the, the, the intellect, or what intellect accepts, and the rest of those things, is a true indication that the person is mutamassik with Sunnah to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He holds on firm to the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he gives taqdeem, he gives precedence to the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam over and above the ara wa uqul, over and above the opinions, over and above the intellect, and what the intellect may cause to accept. And so rather, the manhaj of the Salaf of Salih, the correct manhaj when it comes to the manhaj of the Salaf of Salih, is that they accept the nusus. Their importance is given to the texts. Amma ahlul ahwa wal dalal wal kalam wal falsafa fayaqaddimuna aqoolahum ala nusus al-ilahiyya wal nabawiyya. And as for the people of misguidance, as for the people of misguidance, then they are the individuals that give precedence to them. They are the individuals that give precedence to their okul, the intellect. They only accept something as long as their intellect may accept something. They give the presence of the intellect over and above the texts, the divine texts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
and the prophetic text from the Prophet The problem with the person giving this uh, presence to the intellect are many. From the main issues and the main problems of a person giving intellect the precedence over and above the source of the Kitab and the Sunnah is that it's very possible that an individual has an intellect which is deficient. A person's intellect, everyone does not possess the same intellect, intellectual yani level. So a person may possess an intellect which is deficient. And now a person is relying upon acceptance of the truth when it comes to deficient intellect. So this could be something which is nisbetihi, who I am. It could be something which is specific to him as an individual. And is a deficient intellect. It could also be possible that, or it is the case rather, that our intellect is limited. As individuals, inside our intellect is limited. And so just the fact that our intellect is limited means that we cannot always be reliant upon it as a means of acceptance of the truth. Now, as so we have these individuals that give presence to the intellect, and so these individuals, they will state that when it comes to the aql, so certainty comes from the aql. So if there's intellect accepts it, then this is certainly true. As for the sharq, as for that which is legislated, that which is found in the text, then this is not yaqeen, this is not certainty. So if something opposes that, then we cannot say that it is certainly true. This is obviously opposite of the truth, opposite of the reality. The reality is, is that when a person accepts, he finds a source, he accepts that this is yaqeen, this is the truth. This is certainly the truth. Because this is from... The book of Allah, from the book of Allah, from the Quran, the ayat of Allah, the kalam of Allah. This is absolutely the truth. Or that this speech is from the Prophet from the wahi, from revelation. So it's certainly the truth. So it cannot now be said that a person, if my intellect doesn't accept it, then I'm not going, I'm, I'm not going to accept it as an individual. And so, in this, in this scenario, these individuals, if they find a ta'arud, if they find that there's ta'arud, there's a, there's a conflict between the nas, the text, and the akal, they will reject the text. And this is the manner of these individuals, as mentioned by these people of desires, these people of misguidance. Now, so al-haq, al-sharh, al-huda, wa fihi nur that the haq in this regard 
is that which is the Sharia. The Sharia is the Haq. And the Sharia is Huda. The Sharia is guidance. And within that is Noor. Within that is light. We yeah, need light in terms of the guidance itself. And so thus, the no source of Qur'aniya and the source of the Qur'an are used and can be benefited from, the, from these no source of these texts in the Yaqeen, certainty. So when the person has the no source of the Qur'an, then they are, you understand that this is certainty. Now this is certainly the haq. As well as ahadith, the Shaykh mentioned ahadith and mutawatira. Al-ahadith and mutawatira yufid al-yaqeen. So the ahadith which are mutawatira yufid is understood to be, yeah, it's certainly the truth. They want to understand what ahadith mutawatira, what ahadith mutawatira. We say ahadith, hadith is mutawatir. What is meant by that? Naam. Extremely authentic, you could say that's one way to put it now. Why though? What, what, what distinguishes it? Hadith which is agreed upon with from Bukhari and Muslim, both combined. Bukhari Muslim, not necessarily, not necessarily. Like numerous narrations which um, is like tell us that it must be authentic. Right? Numerous narrations. Naam, essentially, naam. So when we understand that there's a hadith, and the hadith are, the chain of narration are of levels. Naam. So you have each level, each narrator. So you have maybe example, there might be from Bukhari, all the way to the Prophet Wasallam. there might be four narrators, five narrators, for example. But at every level, there are a multitude of people that are narrating the same hadith. A large amount. And it is said that a hadith mutawatir, is that where the narration at every single level, there are many people that narrate that same narration to the extent that it is impossible to be said that they would come to they could come together and lie. There's too many of them. Now, because for example, if we were to say that this person was lying, for example, now, then. He would have to make sure that this lie is continuous. There has to be a continuity with all of these people. But it would have to be a case of where to meet all of these people. But it's, the, the number is too large on every single level for them to, for them to have continued to lie in that, in that regard. Does that make sense? So when the number is so large on every single level of the hadith that it is impossible to say, to say that they came together to lie. And so then it's established that this narration in of itself is a narration which is authentic. Naam. And so we say that this narration in of itself, Yafid al-Yaqeen, is a narration which can be, which is used for certainty. I certainly the haq. The Shaykh Rabbi al-Mashim here. Then he goes on to mention, Naam, and this is important. He goes on to mention, so what he mentioned, how do we understand certainty of, of our deen is the Quran, Hadith Mutawatir. Naam. Then he goes on to mention Hafidahullah and the ahadith which the Ummah have accepted Naam to be authentic. Naam. And he mentions that this is the way of Ahlul Hadith. 
I, this is the way of Ahlul Hadith. I, the Ahadith that are regarded as being authentic. Naam, so they've been authenticated. What do you think is the difference between the first one and the second one? So the first one mentioned Mutawatir. There's so many of them that it's impossible for them to come together to lie. Naam, what do you think the second one is then? Why is he mentioned the difference between the two? Not restricted to the companion. It's agreed upon. But what's the, the clear difference between this one and this one? Like less uh, narrators. Less narrators, that's one thing. So if there's less narrators, if it's anything less than mutawatir, let's say, if it's less narrators, what's it referred to? Does anyone know? If it's less narrators than mutawatir. Ahad. Ahad. It's referred to as a hadith ahad. Ma'am. So if there's less narrators than mutawatir, it's referred to as a hadith ahad. So this is the, the distinction between the two. I, this has so many narrators that we don't even need to look at further into the narration itself because there's, too many, there's so many narrators on every level. On this, with these ones now, I'll mention the second hadith, hadith mentioned by the Shaykh, is that these are less narrators. However, they are accepted I, due to the fact that I, I, due to, after investigation of the hadith, these hadith are accepted. And so this is still certain knowledge. Why do you think the Shaykh is mentioning this? Why? What's the importance of the Shaykh mentioning this, Barakallah? Who is this a uh, uh, refutation of, let's say, and a rejection of? Now, for example, who? Mashur for this support? The Sha'il Annam Tezila. Naam, the Mu'tazila, essentially. Where they will say that the hadith has to be mutawatir in aqidah for us to accept it. Naam, the hadith has to be mutawatir for us to accept it. However, the Shaykh here mentions that which is truly accepted as certainty, first and foremost, is the, the ayat of the Quran. Secondly, yes, are mutawatir, hadith mutawatir. But a third, those are hadith that have been authenticated or have been accepted يعني, as, as true, a true hadith or, or a hadith from the Messenger of Allah وسلم. he mentions تلقب, تلقب القبول, and doesn't mention Sahih Allah Ha'ala because he's referring to not just hadith Sahih but Hassan as well Hassan is accepted so when it comes to affair of Aqeedah the Mu'tazila will say that we do not accept I the narrations that are not mutawatira. However, as he mentions here, Shaykh Rabbi Allah mentions, with Ahlul Hadith, and when he's referring to Ahlul Hadith, he's mentioned, he referring to who in reality? Ahlul Hadith, he's referring to who? The Jama'ah. The Jama'ah, Ahlul Sunnah. So when he says Ahlul Hadith, I means those who cling to Hadith. I those who cling to Hadith because they're Ahlul Sunnah, because they're the Jama'ah. That the reality of Al Hadith, the reality of the people of the truth, <coughs> is that they accept the Quran, they accept the Tutawata, and they accept those narrations that are ahad, are those narrations within the Aqidah, now, that are, that are less, that I mean, have less narrators, as long as it's been established that this has come from the Prophet, now by way of studying and authentication of the Hadith. Another refutation of that particular speech as well. Where they say that we only accept the mutawatir. Naam. 
is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The hadith was short. Where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen. He sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen, and he said, "Inna katati qom ahl al-kitab, falyku awma tadum hilay shahadati Allah ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad rasulullah." Naam. And so he says, indeed, you're going to the people of the book. So the first thing you call them to, the shahada of la ilaha illallah and the Muhammad Rasulullah. Naam, understand? The narration? Have you heard the narration before? Mm-hmm. Of course. How is this particular narration a refutation and a rejection of this particular claim that we're only going to accept mutawatil hadith in Aqidah? The number, who who was the narrator? Who was the one that was was conveying? Muadh al Jabal. Muadh al Jabal. How many? Uh, who, who did the Prophet send? Muadh al Jabal. One individual. And what did he send him to do? To convey what? The Aqidah, beginning with Tawheed, the Shahada of La Ilaha Illallah. He sent one individual. So now it cannot be said we can only accept the Aqidah when it comes from many individuals. Because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he sent one individual. He sent him as a da'i to Islam and as a qadi as well, as a judge upon the people. One individual. So this, no doubt, as is mentioned, all of these things are regarded as being and accepted as the truth indeed. Now, and so, as is mentioned, these individuals they may they may reject these things. However, the way of Ahlul, Ahlul Hadith, now, the way of Ahlul Hadith is to truly accept يعني, the Quran and all of the Hadith as long as they are authenticated. And this is certain knowledge. Wallahu a'lam. Thereafter, Baba Hari goes on to mention وَعِلْمُهُ إِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَعِنْدَ رَسُولِهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And this knowledge is with Allah and with His Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم And so Shaykh Wazan حفظه الله he mentioned أمور الدين توقفية لابد من الأدلة عن الله ورسوله في الأمور الدين And so the affairs of deen are referred to as, as being tawkifiyah. Naam, tawkifiyah. And tawkifiyah, essentially, is that it is abs- it's, it's an affair which is absolute. When we say something is tawkifiyah, it's something which absolutely has to be returned back to Allah and His Messenger. Something has, that absolutely has to be referred to the Nusus. The Kitab and the Sunnah is absolute. It's tawkifiyya. So for example now, Mephalem, the Salah. The Salah, no, that is tawkifiyya. Naam. A person cannot say, I'm going to pray, and as, as you find in some of the individuals, they say, I'm going to pray in my own way. I believe in the God, but I'm going to pray to Him in my own way. No, the Sunnah came as a means of guidance. It's tawkifiyya. It's a means of guidance. And it means to establish the haq. 
What's also important to understand as well is that a dawah is tawkifiyah. And this is, this is something which we need to understand in the time that we're living in. Where dawah, when we say dawah is tawkifiyah, a dawah is a man that has to be done and has to be given in a manner which is in accordance with the sunnah or the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and no doubt given in a manner which is in accordance with the da'wah of the Anbiya wa Mursaleen. And so, the da'wah, we say da'wah is tawkifiyah, da'wah should begin with tawheed. Da'wah is tawkifiyah. The man in which the Prophet sallallahu gave da'wah, na'am, was upon tawheed first and foremost. Establish people on tawheed. Establish the haq first and foremost. And so, when you find that the dawah or a person giving dawah and his dawah is not beginning with tawheed and the tawheed all here then you know that this is not the dawah which is in accordance with the sunnah and the messenger of Allah and we know that this is not a dawah which is in accordance with the haqq and the salafi dawah a dawah salafiya because essentially when it comes to the affair of Dao, when it comes to the affair of Dao, first and foremost, as you mentioned, the person has to call to Tawheed. Establish you upon Tawheed. If you reflect upon the Dao of all of Anbiya and Mursaleen, the Dao began with Tawheed, irrespective of what land they were in, who they were calling, who they faced as enemies, the Dao began with Tawheed. And so when you reflect upon all these people that are calling now, we have an individual who may be calling and he say, I'm calling the Khilafah. We need to establish the Khilafah. Hizb al-Tahrir. Now we to establish the Khilafah. And he begins his da'wah with that. His mabda, his beginning point of da'wah is we need to establish Khilafah. We need to talk about the rulers. We talk about the rulers. The reality is this. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. Any ruler that they want to speak about, first and foremost, you're just going to be amongst the Muslim rulers. Just haram anyway. But any ruler that they want to speak about is not going to be worse than Fir'aun. It's not going to be worse than Fir'aun. And Musa, alayhi salam, when he began his dawah, and he was living yeah, under the authority of Fir'aun, did his dawah begin calling the people to revolt against Fir'aun, remove Fir'aun? We need to establish a rulership which is upon the haq. No, rather, you want to establish Tawheed of the people first. The dawah, no doubt, the dawah of the Prophet himself. When he was amongst the people of Quraysh. And we know well, we and we're well aware of the actions of the people of Jahiliyyah. These individuals that would bury their daughter, their, their, their daughters alive. These individuals that would worship the trees and the stones, the worship, the stars, direct worship to the to the jam, to the to the jinn. 
The Prophet ﷺ began his da'wah to Tawheed. He did not begin his da'wah discussing the affair of rulership. Likewise, you have a da'wah of the Ikhwan al-Muslimin, the Jama'at al-Ikhwan, where they say that our da'wah is that we need to be united. Naam, unity. Upon the qa'ida batila al-ma'idira wa ta'awun. Al-qa'ida, the principle that we forgive one another. As we pardon one another and that which we disagree with, and we come together and we, and we have a tifaq in that which we agree upon. That's not if we come together upon, what we agree upon. That we should disagree upon and pardon one another. This da'wah is not the da'wah of Anbiya. The da'wah of the Anbiya, no doubt, when it came, and they came and they established Tawheed al no doubt it would cause that tamiz. The da'wah of the Haq needs to be established. And it needs to be distinguished. It needs to be clear who the people truth are, what the truth is. And so when a person begins the da'wah, by way of saying we want unity. Now, Kalimatul Haq, Kaman Yukal, Kalimatul Haq, you read we have Bartim, the statement of truth. However, its intent is one of falsehood. And they intend truth, or they want truth rather, or, they, or, they, or it's a statement of truth, should I say. However, the intent is Bartim. No doubt we want the Muslims to be united. However, unity has to be upon one thing, the Haq. Likewise, you have the, the Da'wah of the Jamaat al-Tabliq, for example. The Da'wah of the Jamaat al-Tabliq, they will say, <coughs> let's just give Da'wah. Their Da'wah is Da'wah. Their Da'wah begins with the affair of Da'wah. Let's call. And they say, we want to call the people to Iman and Yaqeen. Come on, Yaqeen. They say Iman and Yaqeen. All the time, Iman and Yaqeen. To the extent they give, they give the, a platform for anyone to talk. Without even looking at how jahil an individual is. The person may be ignorant. Well, he will be ignorant. And he will still put him in front of the people to talk. And he doesn't know about anything to do with the Tao of the Anbiya. How can he begin his Tao? How can he begin, begin with Tao? We understand that this affair of Deen is Tawkifiyah. This affair of our Islam is Tawkifiyah. And Dawah is Tawkifiyah. Just as a person cannot say, as we mentioned, I'm going to pray however I want to pray. I'm going to pray in a manner that feels right to me. A person cannot now say, I'm going to give Dawah in a way that feels right. I'm going to call the people in a way that feels right. No, rather, you call the people in a manner which is accordance with the Anbiya wa Rasul all the way up to the Prophet Because the Dawah is Tawkifiya. So, the affair of the Murad Deen, all the affairs of Deen are Tawkifiya. La bud min al-adilla anillah wa Rasul. So it's a must that a person has the proof from Allah and from the Messenger. And that a person is bound by the Kitab and the Sunnah. Yeah, in the affairs of the deen, the person is bound by the Kitab and the Sunnah. Now, 
وتتوق المحدثات والبدع التي ما أنزل الله بها من سلطان and so the person leaves off the newly invented affairs the person leaves off the innovations which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not given any authority for a person to perform when kana ahluha yarawnaha dinan وتقربون الى الله بها فنحن لا نلتفت اليها so even if the people they're doing an action but it's a newly invented action it's not from Islam. Even if the person is doing this action, seeking nearness to Allah, now, la naltafit ilayha. He's not given any sort form of attention. Because no doubt, it's not just a case of the person mutakarrib with Allah. It's not just that the person is seeking nearness to Allah, trying to get close to Allah. He has to do so in a way that the Prophet was taught how to do so. How does he become close to Allah? In the way that the Prophet taught us. Now, so we do not give it any attention. We do not have any iman in relation to it as well. We don't believe in what they're doing. Now, and so the deen is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala legislated. This is deen. What Allah ta'ala legislated. Legislated from the book and from the sunnah. Legislated by way of his speech. Tabarak wa ta'ala. And legislated from the sunnah, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it's a must that any affair of deen is based upon ilm. And that ilm is that which has come from Allah and his messenger. The affair of deen is based upon ilm. And that ilm is what has come from Allah and his messenger. And the person does not follow the desires of the people, of the, of the men of the people. The person does not follow the opinions of the people. And they do not regard or seek to beautify the evil actions of the people. Now, so they do not follow that which does not have an asl within the kitab or the sunnah. As the Prophet وسلم, stated, Man Whoever newly events an affair, who newly events something in our affair, i.e. the sunnah, that which is not from it, then it is rejected. Likewise, in another riwayah, the same wording, or a different wording rather, Prophet Sallallahu mentions, Man amila amalam, laysa alayhi amruna fahuwa rad. Whoever does an action that is not from our affair, then it is rejected. So Shaykh Hussain goes on to mention, Fellevi yurid, an yakuna ilmahu salihan mufidan, fa alayhi bi amarin. So whoever wants and intends for his actions to be righteous, upright actions, Beneficial actions. Then upon him are two affairs. Al-amr al-awwal al-ikhlas. Ikhlas al-deen al-illahi min al-shirk. The first is that the person is sincere. And he's purified his action from shirk. He does not associate anything in partners with Allah. And the person is mukhlis. 
And this affair of ikhlas is one which is synonymous with tawheed al-uluhiyya. You cannot have tawheed al-uluhiyya without ikhlas. You cannot have ikhlas without tawheed al-uluhiyya. And because a person cannot be regarded as being mukhlis if he is devoid of tawheed al-uluhiyya. And the tawheed of the worship of Allah Ta'ala alone. So it's a must, first and foremost, that the person is mukhlis. And the individual is sincere. No doubt, the greatest thing that would oppose this affair of ikhlas is shirk al-akbar. The greatest thing that would oppose ikhlas is if the person was to, was to perform the action for other than Allah. Naam, even with Allah or other than Allah completely. So for example, the person supplicates other than Allah, shirk al-akbar. The person was to slaughter for other than Allah. It's a shirk al-akbar, a major shirk. So then it cannot, of course it cannot be said that this person is mukhlis. This person is sincere doing action for the sake of Allah. Likewise as well, from the affair of ikhlas, or where the things that may oppose, or things that will oppose ikhlas, is if the person was to do the action riyan, or sum'atan. He does the action so that he can be seen to be doing a particular action. By showing off for the others. Or he does the action so it can be said, even if it's in, in his absence, it can be said that so-and-so does this action or does that action. So he does it for the recognition of the people. But the hadith of Mashhur, the hadith of Abi Huraira, where the Prophet وسلم, mentioned these three individuals that are brought before Allah Taala, And they're brought before Allah in relation to their action. The first of them was the Rajal of Sushida, the man that was killed in battle. And his blessings are brought forth. And his ass and his ass were ma'amal tafiha. What did you do with his blessings? And he responds, Qatel Tufik. He responds, So Allah, I fought for your sake. And the response is, Kadabt, you have lied. And they said, you've lied. You lied in your claim. Rather, you fought so it could be said that you are jari, you are courageous. And it was said. So the command came for Umar Abihi was suhiba ala wajhi hata ulkiya finnar. So the command came that he would be dragged upon his face and thrown within the hellfire. The second individual, Ta'alam al-ilmi, Ta'alam al-ilmi shari'i, wa qala' al-Qur'an, I recited from the book of Allah, we had recitation from the book of Allah, and again it was said to him, what did you do the blessing? And again the same individual says that I sought knowledge for your sake, for the sake of Allah, and I read the Qur'an for the sake of Allah, and again it would be said to him, Kadab, you have lied. However, you as an individual, Sought knowledge in Yaqal Aliman. Yaqal Aliman. You sought knowledge so it could be said you're an Alim. A person of knowledge. And you recited from the Book of Allah, Yaqal, so it could be said, Qari. That you're a reciter, you're a Qari. Or Qadkeen, indeed, it was said as well. And again, with this individual, 
the command came for him to be dragged upon his face and thrown him in the fire. The third individual is that he had many, he had an abundance of wealth. And he was asked about his blessings. And he responds, I did not leave any form of wealth, any sinfulness, nah for the man. I did not leave any form of wealth except that I spent in your way. I spent in the way of Allah. And again, it said to this individual, Kadab, you've lied. However, you spent so that it can be said that you are Jawad. And it was said. So the command came that he be dragged upon his face and he's thrown in the fire. These are the three individuals. Shaykh Sheikh Rabi'i mentioned in relation to this hadith. He says that hadith, this hadith first and foremost is an indication that the person shall attain that which they intend. As the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated, Indeed, actions are by their intention. Everyone should gain that by which they have intended. So these individuals, all three of them, they intended the recognition of the people. The first one intended the recognition of the people that he is a courageous individual. And he, and he attained that recognition. However, the action should have been for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The person should have done the action sincerely for Allah. But he did it for recognition. He traded the reward of Allah for the recognition of the people. And he retained that recognition. They recognized him as a, as a courageous individual. But that's something that only lasts as long as the dunya. And then in the akhirah, he was an individual that faced her, the, the affair being dragged upon his face and thrown in the fire. No doubt this is a humiliating manner in which to enter the fire as well. So not only did he trade that, but he traded it for a humiliation of the Akhirah wa Yadha Billah. Allah protect us from that. The second individual, the same thing. He sought knowledge. He read from the Quran to attain that recognition of the people. So he traded the reward of Allah, the grandeur of the reward of Allah Taala, for the recognition of the people. And he attained it. The people recognized him as an alim. The people recognized him as a qari. So he attained that recognition. But he traded that recognition of the people for the humiliation in the akhirah. Likewise, the third individual. He wanted recognition of the people, so he spent from his wealth. And on the face of it, it was a righteous action. However, he likewise traded the recognition of the people for the ajr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> and so he received, this likewise, the same punishment, that same humiliation. And so when we understand this, we understand first and foremost that the person, if they, attain, if they intend, truly intend good, I intend to truly do the action sincerely for the sake of Allah, then they'll be rewarded for that, inshallah. As long as it's under the second condition is, is, is uh, fulfilled. So they must do the action for the sake of Allah. Likewise as well, this affair of the niyyah is, we're in the south of this hadith as well, is the affair of the niyyah is the qalb, is the heart. 
Because that which was apparent to the people is that this individual, the first one, was courageous, fought for the sake of Allah. The second individual was an alim who has some knowledge. He sought knowledge for the sake of Allah. The third person who was apparent, he was generous. He spent lillah. However, that which resided within the heart was different. That which resided within the heart was the desire for the praise of the people and the recognition of the people. And so no doubt it's upon the individual to rectify the heart if they seek to rectify their intentions. You have the well-known statement of authority, Rahimahullah, where he mentions, Ma alash to shaitan. I did not seek to remedy something more often than my need, than my intention. So this is authority, Bal Khalafi. Authority. From the Imr Deen. And he was striving to remedy his intention. And he mentioned to remedy his intention. To do that, to make sure that his intention is Lillah. Not for the recognition of the people. Not first and foremost to be recognized as a person of Istiqamah. Not so also. Not to be that one that is seeking to repel the law Matalatim. He seeks to repel the blame of the blamer. This is what you find as well. Maybe a person does an action. He says a call. So that it can now be said. Or so that the person does not face the blame of the blamer. He does not face the harms of anyone else. But rather if the person is holding firm to the truth. That's the only thing that takes precedence. And so the individual upon us as ibad, as servants, is that we seek to remedy our intention, and we seek to renew our intention. We do not become complacent with the actions that we do, feeling that these actions are sincerely for Allah. But rather we seek to remedy that intention. And no doubt, the message of Allah is mentioned in the, the hadith. The message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The greatest thing that I fear for you, this ummah, is shirk al-asghar, minor shirk. And he was asked about it. And he mentioned al-riyah. Showing off. Greatest thing that he feared. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Why does he mention this, Barafafi? My question for you. Why does he mention Riyah? Why does he not mention Al Akbar? For one, so one of the reasons is that the the manner in which he can come upon an individual. Now, he can come upon an individual with which such ease. A person may not realize something enters the heart. You may be doing an action, doing an action, doing an action. And then something minuscule enters the heart. I had the desire for the pleasure of the people. The desire for the recognition of the people. The desire for the praise of the people. And that may enter the heart. This is the great, so this is the thing. The first reason. What's the other reason as well? Why he mentions this specifically, Wallah
صلاح العمل صلاح النية نعم لكن سبب آخر سبب آخر another reason if it's Sheikh Al-Asghar what can it lead to? Sheikh Al-Akbar so if we say that this is a, as the first reason that it's minuscule and may enter about a person realizing no doubt it's Alim even more so now the fact that it may lead to Sheikh Al-Akbar even more so that the fact that it may lead to major shit. The reason being, as mentioned by a, a sheikh, Imam Sa'di, he mentioned when it comes to riya, there's action of riya. This action of riya is ta'zim lighay. The action of riya is glorification and raising someone else. So let's give an example. If an individual is praying, he's praying this salah, and then he notices that a person walks in and is watching him pray now. So he starts to beautify his prayer. He tries to make sure his record is better than has ever been before. Make sure that his sujood is better than has ever been before, for example. Now, then his heart, ta'adhima, and he's raised that individual by way of his action. He's raised that makan and that status of that individual that's now watching him. He's raised his status. Because that salah should only be for Allah. That beautification of his salah should only be for Allah. But now he is given a station to another individual and raise that individual over and above that which he's deserving. So now if a person is able to raise the, by way of his heart becoming attached to raising another individual over and above his status, then it's possible that this can lead to him directing that ibadah to the same person. The person, first and foremost, he raises them. And then it may lead to that person actually directing their ibadah towards them. No, that is a shukar. Now, so this is the first condition. The second, is that if a person wants the action to be accepted and regard the action to be a righteous action, then he has to follow and be in accordance with the sunnah of the message of Allah sallallahu and so it must be free from bid'ah. Must be free from innovations. Now, must be free from innovation and newly invented affairs. And now you find individuals, people, they have opposition in aqidah, an opposition when it comes to ibadah, many opposition. Now, so the people, if you should like just solely upon the people, then understand that the people, the people have desires, and they're swayed. People are swayed by things, can be swayed by things. People have things that they long for. Now, I'm referring to essentially dunya. People can have opinions. Person can be be led by his opinions, or particular paths that they they seek to take. So we do not follow the people. Our follower is not a one of the people. Now, rather, we put in place what the people are upon, in light and comparison to the kitab and the sunnah. 
So we want the people upon, we put that in light of the Kitab and the Sunnah. As is mentioned, the call that the people, now, the men are known by way of the truth. The men are known by way of the truth. And the truth are not known by way of the men. So do not say now that this is the truth because Fulan is upon this. So this is the truth. Likewise, we do not say, or likewise, the reality opposite is true. That we understand what the truth is. Whoever is following that truth, that's how we know who the men are, I, the men of truth. Do not follow the people because the people are susceptible to desires. People are susceptible to opinions. The people are susceptible to having yani, things that they desire from the dunya. And this could be something which dictates what they do. So rather you establish the truth and you follow the truth in that regard. Now, and there's no doubt, is in the course of the Kitab and the Sunnah. But what happens to Haq? And whoever opposes it, this is Batil. Now, Thereafter, Baba Hari mentions, فَلَا تَتَّبِعْ شَيْئًا بِحَوَاكِ نَعَمْ فَتَمْرُخْ مِنَ الدِّينِ فَتَخْرُجْ مِنَ الْإِسْلَامِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا حَاجَةٌ لَا حُجَّةٌ لَكَ فَلَا حُجَّةٌ لَكَ Now, and so, the person should not follow anything from his desire. The individual should not follow any affair of his desires causing him to leave Islam, yeah, leave the deen. I destroy his deen and leave Islam. And such individuals not have any hujjah. And so, Sheikh Rabia, he mentions, اِتِبَاءَ الْحَوَىٰ قَدْ يُعَدِّي لَلْكُفْرِ إِذَا كَانَ مُعَانِدًا مُسْتَحِلًا نَا مُسْتَحِلًا لِمِخَارَفَةِ النُّصُوصِ الشَّرْحِ وَقَدْ يُعَدِّي إِلَى الدَّلَالِ إِذَا كَانَ يَحْتَرِمُ النُّصُوصِ الشَّرْحِ وَيَقَعَ فِي الْمُخَالَفَاتِ and so, the individual following the desires, this could lead to, essentially lead to kufr. It could lead to the individual falling into disbelief. If the person is mu'anid, the person is a stubborn rejecter of the truth. And he regards, he's mustahil and he's an individual, that regards anything which yukhalif, anything which opposes the text of the Sharia, he seeks to make it something which is halal and mindeen. And this is something which could lead, and it's possible that the person could be, could be led to uh, misguidance. If there is a person that has respect for the text, however, He's an individual that falls into mukhalafat. He falls into a position of the truth. These are two separate people. So you have one which is worse than the other. Which one is worse, of course? The first one or the second one? The first one. The first one, he's the individual that turns away from the, from the haq. He rejects the haq. He suddenly rejects it. Rather, anything which is opposition to the haq, he yastahilluhu. He regards it as being halal. Now, and he claims it's halal. And he raises the claim, then claim it's halal, he says it's from deen. Or it's acceptable in deen. Now, this individual could, and this such, such an individual 
can lead themselves to kufr. Now, lead themselves to disbelief, essentially. <coughs> then you have the second individual, who is the one that does that has respect for the text. However, he falls into opposition to the truth. And so thus, due to his oppositions, he's a person that has fallen into misguidance. Now, now, and then, but however, this person falls into misguidance. This is due to the ghulbat al-hawa wa shahwa. And so the first one, he's, he stubbornly rejects it. The second one, he's overcome by the shubuhat. Or overcome by desires, shahwat. He's overcome by these things. However, they, are, they, they join that there's the same, they're the same. I, one is worse than the other, of course. But they're the same in the fact that they, this one does not have any proof. And that one does not have any proof. Both of them do not possess any absolute proof. Because they are upon mukhalafat. That which they are upon is in opposition to the haq. Now, for God bayyana Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And so the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has clarified the sunnah. And he has Mentioned it to his, I meant and mentioned and clarified to his companions as well. Now, and so this, when it mentions that the Prophet wasallam clarified to his to his companions, he clarified himself and he can clarify to his companions. This is a follow-on from the previous statement. Previous statement being what, Ikhwa? The previous statement being what? Mentioned by Baba Hari? Now here that there's no, he has no hujja. So he has no proof. So the person is upon Mukhalifa, he has no reason to be upon this Mukhalifa. There's no proof for him to be upon this Mukhalifa. Why? And then it follows on by mentioning that the Prophet ﷺ clarified. He ﷺ clarified the truth. Then the Nabi ﷺ has clarified it to his companions who have thus transmitted that, that sunnah. Now, now, thereafter, Allah Ta'ala mentioned, And Allah Ta'ala mentions, And who is more straight than the one that follows his desires without any proof or any guidance from Allah? Indeed, Allah does not guide the people who have transgressed. And so, these are the individuals that followed other than the huda and the guidance. And those that follow the truth, they are as mentioned, وَهُمْ as mentioned by Baba Hari, وَهُمْ الْجَمَعَةَ وَهُمْ السَّوَادُ الْأَعْضَمُ وَالسَّوَادُ الْأَعْضَمُ الْحَقُّ وَأَهْلُهُ So these are the jama'ah. And they are the sawad al-a'zam. And the sawad al-a'zam is the people of the truth, or is the truth and its people rather. And so the Surah Al-Adham, يعني, يعني أن الصحابة هم الجماعة فمن خالفهم وضع في, الجاه, في الجاهلية والضلال لأنه اتبع غير السبيل المؤمنين والله توعد من يأتب غير السبيلهم 
Also, der Jama'a, das ist der Beginn der Sahaba, der Companion. Wer der Jama'a? And whoever opposes them, man khalafahum, waqa'a fi jahiliyya wa dalal. And whoever opposes them, will fall into the affair of jahiliyya. Whoever opposes them, will fall into the affair of dalal, in the misguidance. Because لِأَنَّهُ تَبَعَ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Because he's followed the path other than the path of the believers. Other than the path of the believers. And so Allah Ta'ala has threatened, as mentioned, the threat of the one that follows other than the path of them, i.e. the believers. So this is the path of the Sahaba. And anyone that opposes that path, no doubt, is upon misguidance. The mission Jahiliya as well. And whoever opposes that particular path that they were upon, Thumma inna al-ahlul haqq hum al-jama'a Fi ayi zaman or fi ayi makan. Naam. And the people of truth, they are the jama'a. As mentioned previously. Irrespective of the time or the place. Naam. Walau kanu killa. And even if they're small in number, they're still the Jama'ah. Now. And so thus, Shaykh Habib Allah mentioned as one explanation. فَمَنْ خَالَفَ أَصْحَابُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم بِشَيْءٍ مِنِ الْعَمْرِ الدِّينِ فَقَدْ كَفَرْ And whoever opposes the companions of the Messenger everything from the affair of deen and they have disbelieved. And so Shaykh Rabbi mentioned Yuhadra Mu'allif Rahimahullah min ta'amud mukhalafat al-ashabi Rasulillah So this is from this is a warning against the one that deliberately seeks to oppose the command and the affair of the companions of the Messenger of Allah Now ولا يبعد أنه يريد الكفر كفر الأصغر لأن الكفر كفران كفر أكبر يأخذ من الملة ملة الإسلام وذلك لمخالفتهم في أمر معلوم من الدين بالضرورة كسب الله أو سب دين الله أو رسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم أو بتكفير الصحابة الكرام إلا قليلا منهم أو استهزاء بالله ورسله وكتابه إلى آخر نواكر الإسلام وكفر أصغر كحلف بغير الله وكسير وكسير الرياء نعم and so it's not far-fetched the Sheikh mentioned Sheikh Rabia mentioned when he mentions that al-kufr here it's not ba'id to mention or far-fetched to ascertain from this that the intent of the kufr is the kufr asr or the minor form of kufr why? because kufr is of two types you have the kufr akbar you have major kufr. And the major kufr is the one which exits the person from the fold of Islam. Naam. And that is due to the fact that the person has opposed something which is ma'loom fi deen bi That which is known in the deen by necessity. The Shaykh mentions examples. Kasabillah, the one that curses Allah. Naam. No doubt the person. The one that curses the deen of Allah. The one that curses the religion. 
the one that curses the messenger of Allah sallallahu the one that cur the one that makes takfir of the companions except for a few naam or the one that mocks Allah his messenger his book and the others and other things from this from the nawaqid of Islam the things that nullify a person's Islam this all these things will be major kufr and this after that you have the kufr askar and the minor kufr by swearing by Avna Allah or by way of the lesser form of riyah as we mentioned earlier the end of showing off well mu'allif imam ya'lam hadha fak bayna al-kufrain wa qad yaqsid al-mu'allif al-kufrain wa li kullin minhuma asbab mawjubatiha and so no doubt the author himself referring to Baba Bahari then he's aware well aware of the two types of kufr and so it's possible that he intended from this the two types of kufr when mentioning I the kufr of the one that opposes the companion because the opposition to the companions can occur, can occur in many affairs opposition to the companions could occur when it, when referring to yani opposing the companions in the things that we mentioned I no companion was upon the curse of Allah this is the opposition of the companion uh, opposition of the companions would be cursing the messenger of Allah this is not the opposition to them but likewise it could be opposition to the companions in the other affairs where of minor kufr right? opposing the companions when it comes to the affair of riyah for example or swearing by Avana Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that alhamdulillah concludes what we wish to discuss today from this particular point here and bi'nillahi ta'ala we'll conclude with this point and next week go on to our next point which is the statement of the of the author wa'lam anna nas lam yabtadi'u bid'atan qat wallahu a'lam al-akhiri qawl fabarakallahu feekum jazakum al-khair ikhwa hayyakum allah jami'an wa barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu wa barak ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallama وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين بارك الله فيك على يفضل نعم Essentially, from from was apparent it was Riyadh Shah Askar. So, it's what what we find with this is no doubt is a warning. It's, it's, the Hadith is a, no doubt a warning against Riyadh. But we understand the warning against Riyadh to the extent that people and you find now, little Asaf individuals may belittle the affair of Shah Askar because it's not something that that executes for the fold of Islam, and it's not something that causes you to enter the hellfire for eternity. However, this narration is a clear indication of what may happen to the one that falls into Shaykh Askar and that he still faces the severe punishment and humiliation of being dragged upon his face and thrown up in the fire. And this is Shaykh Askar we're talking about. This is a riyah. And so, no doubt, this is an indication of the fact that the, the one that falls into riyah, he, he may, and, and Shaykh Askar essentially, he may still face you know, a torment of a punishment, Likewise, 
um, some of Ahlul Ilm, there's a discussion on Ahlul Ilm even as well, where they mention that the one that falls into Shulk al Asghar, um, does he does he still does he enter the fire no matter what? Now, or is he forgiven? Now, because the ayah referring to the, referring to the affair of Shirk, now, in Allah la yakfur an yushraka bihi, yakfur ma duna dalik liman yasha. Now, we understand from this ayah, yani that was what is mentioned as ayah Shirk, sah. So there's no differentiation made in the ayah and Allah Taala knows best between Shirk Akbar or Asghar. So some of Ahlul Ilm say that if the person falls into Shukla Askar and dies upon Shukla Askar, that he may still, he may, he may not be able to be, or he will not be forgiven, yani, for Shukla Askar. And this is Muja, and he's Muja within the Nar. The only difference is that he will not be in the Nar for eternity. So this is an indication, this narration, and this, this ayah as well, an indication of the position of some of Ahlul Ilm, where they say that such an individual, if he falls into Shirk, yeah, he falls into Riyah, that the person will be within the, will, will, will be in the hellfire for a part of time and he will not be forgiven if he dies upon that Wallahu to be fair that the, when, when you have the other Nusfuls as well mentioning the, the, the Shukl Akbar and the Affair of Shukl Akbar and the person's uh, Khalid Makhalid Finnar let me understand that if, you, if you have the text in unison that is referring to Shukl Akbar that's, that's probably the stronger of the opinions that it should, it should Akbar, even the iron for Shukr Akbar. No. But just to show the, 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 uh, the extent of Shukr Akbar, that it's not a minor affair. And even, uh, no doubt we translate it all the time as minor Shirk, but it's minor in, relative, in relation to the major. But it's not a minor action of it, in of itself. And sometimes minor Shirk is, is uh, it doesn't, sometimes doesn't feel correct to translate it as such. But it's a relative term. It's relative in in terms of the major. No, all right. No. No. So the question the brother asking the question, yani, in relation to you have you have two people. He's mentioned Zayd al Amr. This is a common uh, the common names that I use in examples. Zayd al Amr. Sometimes Muhammad, come on. Muhammad Zayd al Amr. But Zayd al Amr he's. Zayd said he's upon Kitab al Sunnah. Amr, he says upon the Kitab al Sunnah. And then the person comes and says, How do I differentiate? How do I know who's upon the truth? Now, the reality is this first and foremost, no one's going to say, I'm upon Batin. I'm upon falsehood. I'm not upon the truth. Every single individual is going to claim upon the truth. What we have to understand as well, that to have a deen, to have a religion, is min al Islam. It's from the things that we, we need as human beings. It's a belief system. So, 
Just as we need food, just as we need drink, just as we need oxygen. We need a belief system. Every single individual has it in their belief system. Even the one that said that he doesn't believe in Allah. Naam. He said, I don't believe in Allah. He still has a belief system. And a person is not going to say that my belief system is incorrect. Because it's his belief system. It's what he believes in. So now, going back to Zayd Amr, they both say that I'm from the truth and I'm from the truth. I have one of Kitab, I have one of Sunnah. First and foremost, we have to establish what they're upon. What are their nusus? So if Zayd saying one thing, Amr saying another thing, the first thing we look, we have to look at is, are there ayat from the book of Allah, or are there ahadith as sahiha or ahadith, yani makbula, accepted narrations, that are in line with what Zayd saying or what Amr saying? They're saying two different things, but we have to look at the, the ayat, the text from the, the Quran, the text from the ahadith, that support, do they support Amr or do they support Zayd? Naam. Now, or not just now, but over time, you may find individuals of Shubahat, they will bring the yeah, texts which are authentic. Because if the text is inauthentic, if the text is not authentic, then you reject it. And that's a rejection of what he's saying in the first place. Does that make sense? If he's saying, I'm going to do this action, and he doesn't have a text for it, then we reject it. Because we know that it's not from the Amr and the Nabi. Clear example is that a person who says, I'm going to. Uh, celebrate the Prophet's birthday. He said, okay, celebrate the Prophet's birthday. Where's the text? Where's the ayah? Where's the hadith? And what's the response? No, it's about how you understand it. Or it's kalam. The speech. We don't have the time for speech. We want to hear kitab, sunnah, barakallahu feekum. You don't have it? Khalas. We don't need to hear it. But what you have now is that you have individuals that they will have narrations. And they'll have narrations which are authentic. And they will have a position. What, up, what is upon us at that point is no doubt to act upon the statement of the Prophet wasallam, where he mentioned, nas karni. The, best of the, the best of the generations are my generation. Then those who follow them, those who follow them, the Salaf al-Salih. So we understand from the Salaf al-Salih the origin, or we understand our origin as they understood it. We understand the text as they understood it. So a person may have a text. But then the question after that is, who from the Salaf understood the text as you're understanding it today? So if you have, again, you have Zayd, you have Amr. Zayd says, I have this text with me. Amr says, he has this text with me. Zayd says, I understand this text. That this is how we understood the text. Naam. Or it says Ibn Mubarak mentions in relation to this. Ibn Abbas mentions in relation to this narration or in relation to this ayah. This is how he understood the text. The Salaf understood it like this. So no doubt, khalas. And then Amr says, well, I, understand, I understood the text like this. Amr is not from the Salaf. So we're not going to take what I, how Amr understood it himself. Going back to the main point that we mentioned. The first point that we mentioned. That we do not rely upon the Akul and Nas. We do not rely upon the intellect of the people. And we do not rely upon the people themselves. Because the people are susceptible to desires. The people are susceptible to opinions. The people are susceptible to following different paths that they wish to follow at that particular point in time. So what the individual must do 
is way up the text in accordance with the Kitab and the Sunnah and the understanding of the Salaf of this Ummah. If you have a text, Barakalafikum, who understood it from the Salaf as you understood it. This is what it being Salafi is essentially. We say we're Salafi, we take we turn everything back to the Kitab and the Sunnah. We understand it as the Salaf of this Ummah understood it. This is why we say we're Salafi. This is why we say we're Salafi. This is why we say we're praying Marqa the Salafi. Naam, because we follow the way of the Salaf of Salaf. Our intisab, our inscription is the way of the Salaf of this Ummah. This is why we follow this, and this is why we're upon this way. And this is why we distinguish ourselves as individuals that follow the Salaf of this Ummah. We distinguish that which we're upon. We don't say we're Salafi because we say, okay, we're better than Fulan or whatever. No. We say we're Salafi because we seek to follow the Kitab and the Sunnah and upon the understanding of the Salaf of this Ummah. That's what we're seeking to do. And that's what we're seeking to ascribe to. And no doubt, this is something which is praiseworthy to ascribe to. Wallahu a'lam. Wadih. Wadih Abdul Wahab. Zakhallah. No. Salam. Somebody asked me a question. Um, for example, uh, if the Prophet did one thing at one time in his life, mm-hmm. and then he did another thing in, mm-hmm. later on in life, which one do you follow? For example, if he sat down and drank water and took water and drank water. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's if it depends on on what the, what the affair is about, then it is there's 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 a manhaj, a particular methodology when it comes to what is regarded as being ta'ar and nusus. So when you have uh, an apparent um, contradiction in texts, there's a manhaj that a person uh, takes on board. Right, the first thing they do is that they seek to make jam between the texts. So they seek to harmonize between the two, where this can be true and this can be true at a coincide at the same time, right? So you may find, for example, there might be a narration where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam prohibits something. And you find another narration, he does it. You seek to harmonize between the two. The manner in which you harmonize between the two would be if that maybe the ruling is is makro. For example, naam. The example of that would be. Uh, Using uh, the the wudu or the 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 the, the tuhur with the ma mustamal, and they used water. The water has been used already. Can you use it again to purify oneself? That makes sense. There's a narration where the Prophet sallallahu he prohibited it, but there's another narration where he used ma al mustamal when he made ghusl. So we'd understand from this, and Allah Taala knows best that it's a ruling which is that it's makruh. So you can harmonize between the two. If you're not able to harmonize where there's complete there's complete uh ta'aruf, there's complete uh contradiction, where it's not a case where you can put this and this together and they, they harmonize, then you have the you seek to find out one one which is nasik and mansuk. And this is closer to what you're asking about. Because the nasik and mansuk would be an indication or an ab- abrogating, a narration abrogating another, or a text abrogating another. Where you have a clear indication of dates. Naam. And so sometimes the narration might mention this happened in the Battle of Kedah. So it happened in this battle, so you know that it's in this state. And another narration mentions that this happened at this time, after whatever this event. So you know, you know what the dates that it happened. So the next thing you can do, if you can't harmonize, 
is that you would say that this this act, this action is the first the first thing has been abrogated by the second. If that makes sense. So if you have a clear indication that this happened first, this happened second, then you say that this the second action abrogates the first. Because you can't harmonize between the two. If now, for example, this is kind of again exiting from your question, I guess. But if now, for example, you don't have dates, which is a lot of narrations, it's not a, a real indication of when these things happened, right? Then, uh, I found how's another way that you can you can identify that a narration is at a particular date? How's another way you could identify that? So it could be mentioned at a particular point in time, a particular event. What else? Something to do with the chain. Something to do with the chain. Something. they born, the people narrated. Who exactly? Narrated. The who? Which is there? And would that be who? <laughs> the Sahabi. The Sahabi. Not necessarily that was because the Sahabi narrated it, but if the Sahabi says that he witnessed it, for example, or he heard it directly from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Submit to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I heard the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say, Naam. Why is that? How can that indicate when? This happened. For no, not necessarily that. Not born or? Or then it doesn't become Muslim at that time. So we know, for example, if a Sahabi became Muslim at a particular time, and then the race I heard from Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi we know it happened after that date when he became Muslim. Naam. Or after that date when he was born. Naam. Salam. So I call it. If you're not able to ascertain the dates, then we have what is referred to as a tarjih. What is referred to as a tarjih. Where you look at the two texts, and one of the texts is, going, is always going to be stronger than the other. Because they're not always going to be the same thing. Right? So, if it's, for example, uh, was a tarjih between the two, then you look at maybe these narrators might be stronger than those narrators. And if these narrations are stronger, then that, that hadith will take precedence over that one. And the rulings that I found from, that are derived from that hadith will take precedence over the rulings that are derived from this hadith. Naam. Or, what you find is another, there's a narration, and I, I forget the, the, the masala, I've mentioned it before, and I, forget, I keep forgetting the masala. But it's in Buryo, it's something to do with buying and selling. And uh, it's regarding. It's, there's two narrations and they contradict each other. Now, and it's uh, it's regarding. No, no, it's Hamad, regard of the of the Hamad Mzay. And Hamad, he mentions. Uh, he mentions something. The narration. They both. They're two sets of people that narrate from Hamad, right? And they're all trustworthy. So you're thinking, okay, these are two trustworthy narrations. However, from narration A, let's say, these narrators are all from the Khawas of Hamad, and he's close to students. And these narrators are his general students, but they're not from his Khawas. So which uh, from uh, narration B? So which one would we say would take precedence? A. The ones that are Khawas. Even though they, these ones within their own self, they're trustworthy. But in relation to Hamad, then this one, they're, they're more trustworthy. So they're from his khawas. They're the ones that spend the most time with him. They will know his narrations better than these ones. So then you make tarjih between the two. 
if you're not able to make tarajih, which is impossible, then they say it's tawakkuf. You just leave the masala altogether. You just say, I, you can't, I just say, what's the truth or not? Now, so going back, back to your question now, then if you have two aspects where something's happened at the, at the beginning of the life of the Prophet وسلم, or early on in life and after in the life, the first thing you try to do is make a uh, jump between the two, where this one's true and that one's true as well. If you're not able to do that because of the absolute contradiction, then the first first one will be abrogated by the second. No? While standing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Again, it's the both of Sahih, but you said this is Amal al Makru Wala Amal. No. Barakallah Fiku. يعني التسبيح بالأصابع بالأصابع والمخالفة في سجود كما قال شعباني يعني مثلا ينزل على ركبتي بعدين على فما نصحته في هذا الاختلاف إذا كان الخلاف يعني في المسائل هكذا يعني دقيقة If there's, if there's, if there's a Masa'ila, Rose asking about issues in fiqh, where there's specific different na'am, so the, 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 they make different particular understanding of, of, uh, of uh, Masa'ila. Na'am, for example, as we discussed, I believe it was in, uh, on Monday, we discussed uh, when the person goes down into sujood. Na'am, upon, and they use the same hadith. And... It's just due to the fact that they have maybe a misunderstanding of the same, or, or a different understanding of the same hadith. So a different understanding of the same hadith. Now this, no doubt, is a clear indication of ikhtilaf tanawwa. Yani the ikhtilaf that can occur, and when there's room for ikhtilaf, room for different. A room for how a person understands the narration. And so the first nasiha would be that the person should not make this an affair of al-wala wal bara. Do not make this an affair of loving and hating. I make this an affair of a tafarruq that causes tafarruq. Because a person may, may take on a different opinion and fiqh. Secondly, that the person, he seeks to understand the truth to the best of his ability and the best of his capability. So if he is able to access the muscles, understand the text, if he's a person that is able to read from the, the, the ahadith, and read the speech around the hadith, then let him do so and find the best mokif that he can come to, the best position and possess, and the best uh, hukum ruling that he can come to. And this is something which is, uh, you know, praiseworthy for such an individual. As for a person, an individual now, where he just takes any opinion that he believes to be the most befitting for him as a person, or whatever the case may be, or rather the person should strive to seek the haq in that regard. He wants to be upon the haq in that regard. And he does not now make an issue or make an issue of harshness upon anyone that may oppose him in what he's upon. 
because no doubt it's an affair of differing in understanding of a same text. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. Hayya ala salah. Hayya ala salah. Hayya ala al-falah. Hayya ala al-falah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allah, 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 Allah,